You might have heard someone tell you to protect your yes, meaning you should not feel obligated to agree to things, participate, or take something on that you truly don't want to do. If it doesn't fulfill you in one way or another, why do it? In business, sometimes you can't protect your yes, though. Sometimes, if you don't say yes, you don't have customers. But you can't say yes to everything. Or can you? We did just about anything. I said no to nothing like my dad taught me growing up. Just say yes to everything and figure it out later. I often quoted things like plumbing and stuff. I had no clue how to do it. And then I'd go to the plumbing store and ask them how to do it. And they kind of have somewhat of an idea. Anyway, this is the story of my life. That's Paul Rothnam, the owner of Mod Pools, a multi-million dollar company that builds swimming pools out of shipping containers. And as you can tell, he took saying yes to a whole new level. But while Paul was busy saying yes, throughout his life, he heard a lot of no's. And even though his just say yes strategy eventually paid off, saying yes to everything had its pitfalls. We'll get into all of that on this episode of The Journey. There are always exciting things happening in the world of small business. The news that grabs the headlines, though, are always the highlights. The overnight successes, the billion-dollar IPOs, the massive exits. But just like your Instagram feed, that's never the whole story. Let's look deeper than the headlines and press photos. Underneath all of that is the real work of building something valuable and lasting. Don't get me wrong, I love crazy success stories and can be drawn in by those big flashy tales just as much as the next person. But we all know that what's more important than the destination is how you get there. It's the struggles you have to overcome and the insights you learn along the way that make you who you are. So those are the stories we're telling. It's raw, it's honest, and maybe it's exactly what you need to hear. I'm Hillary Georgie, and this is The Journey. So, anyone who owns a small business knows what the difference between surviving and thriving feels like. And obviously, we all aim to thrive. That's why we're excited about our latest partnership with UPS. Our listeners know that whether you're moving your business online or getting into new markets or just trying to make things run faster and more efficiently, small businesses are up against a unique set of challenges. That's why UPS designed innovative tools just for small businesses that are made to help take you to the next level. Learn more about how UPS can get your small business moving forward at ups.com slash pivot. Today, Paul has made millions of dollars in business, success that was largely drawn from his magnetic positive attitude. But if you went back in time and asked his parents and his teachers what they thought Paul would achieve, you'd have heard a very different prediction. My mom was over. Then we get chatting. She says, I wish I could gather up your grade school teachers and show them what you've become because it was always so difficult. I always got called into these special meetings and they were always so worried about you and they were convinced that you would become a janitor or a bus driver. She said, so I'd leave these meetings in tears. Basically, they just said, lower your expectations for Paul. He's probably not going to amount to much. That's a hard thing to hear from a young age. It was demoralizing. But as many entrepreneurs can attest, school certainly isn't everything. And just because Paul wasn't a rock star in the classroom didn't mean he was lacking in other areas. As a matter of fact, Paul was blessed with a very important gift that would take him far. 
They say that people that have a disability or are weak in an area are sometimes exceptional in other areas or really strong. You could look at somebody who's hearing impaired or someone who's visually impaired. Their other senses are really high and they tend to hone those other skills to compensate. I think my compensating was people skills. Paul's people skills served him well when he started his entrepreneurial journey, which dates back to selling candy bars for his sister. My sister would always get these chocolate bar drives and all these fundraising things, and she would contract me out <laughs> to do the sales. I'd go door to door. You got you to deal with a lot of rejection, and you got to be sharp on your feet, convince that person to buy that little box of almonds or that chocolate bar. I got pretty good at selling. I was top notch. I sold a ton for her. She got to win all the prizes. I don't remember what I got out of it. I was pretty young. I, don't, I think I got some free chocolate bars. But being paid in candy wasn't going to buy him the motorbike he wanted. So Paul eventually graduated from selling candy to running a fruit stand on the side of the road. It was there that he got his first lesson in the school of business and life. What really happened to get the fruit stand started, there was a group that we were involved with and they were missions group. It was their idea, what they did to raise money to go to other countries and do missions work is they had a fruit stand. And so they said, hey, we'll show you how to do the fruit stand business. You can earn money and then you can give it to us and then we'll buy your ticket and then you can come with us and everything. So the wife of the husband who was running this thing, she came out with me the first day and kind of got me started. And the fruit business is kind of up and down because the seasons kind of come and go with fruit. And all of a sudden, there will be nothing to sell and then there'll be something to sell. I raised 1200 bucks pretty quick. I was making a couple hundred bucks a day, two, 300 bucks a day cash. And I'd buy the fruit in the morning and then sell it. And I learned kind of what your margins need to be. So to shorten the story a little bit, I gave them this $1,200. And then I decided not to go because of my grade 12 year. And I said, hey, I'm going to need that money back. I can't go. And they said, oh, no, we're not giving you that money back. And that was a hard one. That was the first time someone kind of stole from me or tricked me. That's the real truth behind that story. So screw this. I'm going to do this on my own. Paul had learned a hard lesson about people and money, but he kept his chin up and continued to run the fruit stand on his own. Every day was a new lesson in business. And every day he fell more and more in love with the process. I realized that I could exponentially make money. I could get a good deal on some corn. And if I timed it right, I could buy that corn early enough that I was the first to market. And if you're the first stand on the road selling corn, paying $6 a dozen, but I could sell it for 12. And all of a sudden the light went on and I was like, oh, this is cool. I'm not held back by anything. I don't need an education to do this. I'm not being graded or scored out here. And I have no ceiling on my earning. I can earn as much as I want. For two summers, Paul worked at his fruit stand, even trying and failing to expand his micro-business to a new location. And while Paul liked business and earning money, the work was not glamorous. All my friends were driving by and laughing and waving and throwing stuff. And it's not fun. And it's pretty humbling being on the side of the road selling fruit, especially when no one's buying your fruit. And you're just sitting there and people are driving by staring at you. And I think that's something that I had... You know, you overcome door-to-door -door sales is rejection, feelings of anxiety, like oh, this whole day went by and I barely sold my fruit. And it's really, it sucks being out here. I'd rather go hang out with my friends. Those are all the hard lessons you learn. At this time, Paul was still a teenager. And while he was making money with a fruit stand, he knew it was time to find a new, more long-term career path. 
So after the fruit stand and after he graduated high school, Paul tried on a number of different hats trying to find his way in the world. He was a truck driver and he worked in real estate for a while until eventually he decided he was going to start his own renovation business. There was just one small problem. My wife and I were married and right away we were like, wow, we've got to get our own place. We were renting and we didn't like it. Built our first house. Long story short, I started collecting real estate, buying lots and building and renovating houses. And I started a renovation company. I thought, forget this driving thing because it's holding me back right now from doing real estate stuff. I got as much leverage as I could from that income. And then once I had about a million dollars of real estate floating, and I had about a $15,000 investment into that, I thought, well, it's a great time to quit my job. Makes a lot of sense. Not really. But I did it anyways. And I told my wife, I said, hey, I'm going to start a renovation company. And she's like, yeah, but you really haven't done a lot of renovating. I'm like, I'll figure it out. It's not that hard. I did our house and I fixed the thing on that house. And she's like, all right, good luck. Paul wasn't worried, though, because he had a foolproof plan. I had this ad in the phone book, and this makes it a really old story, I know. But it was called Any Renovations. And the only reason I use that word is because I figured if you had an A, you were at the top of the list. So you get called first. So any renovations was born and true to our name, we did just about anything. I said no to nothing. Like my dad taught me growing up, just say yes to everything and figure it out later. I often quoted things like plumbing and stuff. I had no clue how to do it. And then I'd go to the plumbing store and ask them how to do it. And they kind of have somewhat of an idea. Anyway, this is the story of my life. With any renovations, Paul's just say yes philosophy fully emerged. From plumbing to electrical to odd jobs here and there, there was nothing Paul wouldn't do. He'd get a call and the answer was an immediate, yep, we can do that. And one of those yeses changed the course of Paul's life and business. This guy called me out of the phone book and he goes, hey, can you frame a shipping container? And I said, what's a shipping container? He goes, oh, it's this big, they're metal boxes and they take cargo around the world. And he's like, maybe you've seen them. I'm like, oh, I think I have seen one of those. He's like, okay, show up on Wednesday and I'll just show you what to do and you can try it and maybe you're able to do it. And I said, sure, you know, again, say yes, figure out the details later. So that's kind of how I started in shipping containers. I ended up contracting with them for about five years, built my own company in that company because they wanted to contract everything out. That's how I cut my teeth on shipping containers. So Paul found himself in the shipping container business. And for all intents and purposes, things were going okay. The business was fine, but not scalable because every project was so specific. Not to mention that unbeknownst to him, his main customer base, the oil and gas industry, was about to enter its toughest period ever. So what did Paul do next? He went for a little swim. We'll get into that right after the break. Today's podcast is sponsored by UPS. Look, if there's one thing that all small business owners know, it's that keeping customers waiting just doesn't work. So, UPS has unveiled their fastest ground shipping ever, getting you to customers in cities across the U.S. up to a day faster. And now, Mission Podcast listeners can save on UPS's fastest ground shipping ever with the code SOAR, S-O-A-R. Small businesses around the country trust UPS to get their orders out the door and delivered every day. Your customers don't have time to wait, and you don't have time to waste. So head to ups.com slash pivot and use the code SOAR, S-O-A-R, to start shipping and saving with UPS's fastest ground ever today.
Paul's business was going well, but all work and no play is no fun, right? Like most people, Paul and his family loved going on vacation and spending their days relaxing by the pool. But those trips add up after a while, and Paul figured there had to be a better way. I was vacationing in Palm Springs, and we did about four trips that year. And on the fourth trip, when you add up your money, you're spending on every trip. They're really expensive trips. They're ten, twelve, thirteen thousand dollars trips. The whole family, because you rent an Airbnb and you've got to have a pool. So that was always my box I checked was pool. Got to have a pool. So the last trip, we were sitting around, having a few drinks, hanging out, and I was just like, we would come here a lot less if we had our own pool. We could do this at home. There's nothing like, yeah, it'd be colder, but we could just turn the water off. So that's when I drew out my first pool on a napkin and started really just super focusing on it, fixating on it, and figuring out like what would I want a pool to be, how would I want it to look, and how could I make it out of a shipping container? Because that's the business I'm in. I'm all set up for that. I'm tooled for it. I've got all the equipment. I got the yard, the infrastructure. What could I do with that product that would make it really stand out? With his sketch in hand, he went to his engineers at the warehouse and let the team know that this was their new project. They worked for Paul, so obviously they said yes. But in the back of their minds and under their breath, they had a few other thoughts. I went to the shop. I told the guys we we're going to build a pool out of a shipping container. And all my welders sort of looked at me like, have you gone crazy? And some of them after, like years later, said, I thought you were 100% crazy. I was really expecting to find a new job the next month. We've hit the bottom, right? There wasn't a lot of buy-in. My electrician at the time, a good friend of mine, he's kind of like, people aren't going to want to buy these, Paul. Like, I think you're, you know, build one for yourself, fine. And that's kind of how it got started. Not a lot of buy-in. No one really thought it was a good idea. No one thought I cracked any good codes here, but I had the persistence just to kind of keep working on it. Bit by bit, month by month, the team worked on this little passion project while still delivering for Paul's oil and gas clients. Eventually, they landed on a design for a shipping container pool that worked, and Paul brought it over to his house triumphant. They had figured it out, and now it was time to do nothing? I had that pool, and I tested it for about a year and a half, and it sat in my backyard to the point where my wife was like, are you ever going to sell these? You keep telling people that you're going to do it, but you're not doing it. It's kind of like getting old. Paul had talked a big game, and he delivered. He had a pool and a design that really worked. But would anyone want one? There was only one way to find out. Paul and his team set out for some trade shows to find out once and for all whether the idea would sink or swim. And it was at that first trade show when Paul had one of his worst and best experiences all at once. We go to this trade show, and we went into it last minute. Vancouver Home and Garden trade show. And we got the booth in the back corner because that's one of the last ones available. I want to say it was like $15,000. Plus we built a pool especially for it because I didn't want to take one out of my backyard. We built a pool for it. So there's like another, you know, bunch of money. We're literally like paints wet the day before kind of thing. So we're rushing to get this thing ready. And it's like three o'clock on a Wednesday and the show is now open. And you're just like, oh man, you've done so much work and all this set up and filled it with water. But all of a sudden, I had this overwhelming sense of anxiety, like, I've really screwed up here. What have I done? What am I doing? I just spent a bunch of money. We don't have a bunch of money. I spent a lot of money on this. No investors. There's no venture. This is just all me. And I'm sitting at this little round table behind my computer. And all of a sudden, and I'm not this kind of person. I mean, you know my story a bit now. I'm a pretty outgoing person. I'll knock on your door. And if you close it, I'll knock again and say, I think you should really buy this chocolate bar. You're supporting a great cause. Consider reconsidering. 
But I just had this overwhelming feeling of sinking down behind my computer and hiding under the table. Honestly, I wanted to hide. I just felt like this is a bad idea. I shouldn't have done this. I wasted a bunch of money. My company's on the line here. Shortly after, and I want to say within the first hour, and I'm dying of anxiety, and I don't have anxiety as a person, but I'm dying inside. And this lady walks by, and she stops. She looks at it. She goes, is that a swimming pool? I said, yeah. Made out of a shipping container? Yeah. She goes, you're going to be a millionaire. This is an amazing idea. Said it to me straight in the eyes, turned and kept walking. And I was just like, whoa. Like, that's exactly what, what I needed to hear. I just needed somebody to say it's a good idea. I need somebody to believe in me. Oddly, that just turned the corner for me. I don't know why that just flipped a switch in me. And I was like, yeah, we're going to do this. After that trade show, they went to another. And they were building momentum along the way. And some sales, too. But a few orders here and there don't equate to a sustainable business. Mod pools needed to market the product. And that went, well, better than expected. We did some media stuff and it was kind of half-assed. Like we didn't really try real hard. It was just like a guy came to take pictures and he's like, hey, I brought my buddy here and he's got a drone. I was like, oh, yeah, go for it. Take some pictures. He's like, I'll send you a video. That was the next big moment. So that video ended up going viral. It got on Yahoo's front page and the world just changed overnight. Here I'm golfing. It was Easter weekend. I'm golfing with my brother. The email from Modpools was directly on my phone at the time. And my phone's just blowing up. So I literally like answered the first couple of emails and I did not connect the dots. I didn't realize that the video had gone viral at that point and it happened that morning. I was like, why are people asking how much? How much is what? Uh, and like, I did not, I just wasn't getting it. I was golfing and just not paying attention. And then by the end of that round, I think I got like a couple hundred emails. One of my friends is like, man, you got to check out this story. It sent me a link. And here it's on like Yahoo's front page. At that point, we just exploded where people were like, I want to buy one. How do I get one? Paul says the video received tens of millions of views in a matter of months. And he was getting a thousand emails a day from new customers. And to all of them, Paul said yes. And sure, having a huge influx of sales is a dream come true. But it also can be a bit of a nightmare. This is like the win that people dream of, you know, like, oh my God, everybody like wants my product. This is amazing. Is there anything inside you that's like, oh crap, I have to like now make a whole bunch of these. Like we got to scale up. There's a, this is like a whole new business I'm running. It's not just like my side thing. This is my thing thing now. Yeah. I mean, you're just honing in on another absolute traumatic problem, which no one saw coming. How do you deal with a thousand emails a day? We're not set up for that. We're business to business. If the phone rings, it's like, who's calling? We have no sales strategy. We don't have a sales funnel at all. There's people from Europe. Can you ship this to the UK? And we're like, uh, guess. I don't know. Yeah, we'll look into it. Again, going with the yes mentality. Sure, we'll figure it out. But all these orders came in. We weren't set up. We hadn't even built many yet. You know, we'd built at that point a few. But to go from a few to like 70 pools in probably a month was a real problem. Because people are going, hey, when can I get my pool? Uh, we don't even know how long it takes to build a pool. In fact, we're trying to remember how we built this pool. And when I look back, I realized that we were really close to going bankrupt because what we had to do is we had to jump off one lily pad to the other lily pad. And there wasn't any good way to do that. So we were working with our existing business to business customers. 
trying to do some pools at the same time and we were divided and we weren't doing anything well. It was time to get serious, shift gears and jump into the deep end. The company told its clients in the old shipping container business that it would no longer be able to take orders and mod pools went into full pool production mode. And that first year was hard, harder than even Paul realized at the time. I wasn't focusing on the financial reports like I probably should have been. I was just building pools. I knew we had lots of pools to build. I was there every day, late, every night. I slept there sometimes. It was nonstop for us. We just kept going and we didn't look back. I was spraying the pools and prepping them. And I was probably so involved that I didn't really know what was going on so much. I wasn't paying attention to it. But when I look back, that's when I realized how tough things actually were and how tight it was. And what ended up happening is our margins, our cost to produce one pool was very different than our cost to produce 70 pools or 10 pools. As we went along, our costs didn't go down, they went up. Turns out it was quicker and easier and we were cheaper. And we kind of thought we knew what our margins were and we set a price. And so that was another big problem is we committed to these 70 pools at a certain price, quickly realized we need to change our margins 25 or 30%. It was a lot. Crap, we're not making any money. And then you've got all your manufacturing issues. The things that don't work, they have to change your process. See things start failing out in the field, you have to go fix it. And you're just like, uh... I barely like thinking about that year. It was so painful. I don't want to ever go back and <laughs> do that again. How did Paul get through it? He just kept saying yes, moving forward, and figuring out the answer as he went along. There were some hard lessons to learn, but Paul and Mod Pools made it through to the other side. And today, the company is building and shipping pools all over North America and fielding a steady stream of new orders. Paul wasn't blessed with an easy childhood or the book smarts to get him scholarships and good grades. He was written off and not much was expected from him. But what he lacked in traditional knowledge, he more than made up for in people skills and a belief that he could do anything. I didn't have to pass a test to start mod pools and I didn't have to pass a test or I wasn't graded to make my first million dollars. None of those things matter in the real world. In the real world, all that matters is how you respond when life hands you an opportunity. For Paul, he responds with one simple answer. You know what it is. The Journey is created by Mission.org and sponsored by UPS. To learn more about the show or mission, visit Mission.org. And to learn more about how UPS can help your business, visit ups.com slash pivot.